It demands that we tell sinners the whole truth. We will not go quietly into the night. Christian Cornerstone Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another broadcast uh, brought to you by yours truly, Mr. Bill Ricksecker. Um, we are actually wrapping up our series on the life and teachings of Paul. Now, before we get into this, there's a there's a lot of a few announcements I'd like to give. First off, this is going to be the last one of the uh, 2019 year. Uh, we still have about two, three weeks, I think, as far as the um, year goes uh, for December. Uh, we're going to take a break. We have two weeks, uh, three weeks, I'm sorry, two, two weeks. I'm getting my numbers mixed up. Anyways, we have a couple weeks. We have a couple weeks until the uh, new year, until 2020 takes place. Uh, and I'd like to take some time to uh, catch up on some classwork as well as prepare for the upcoming series, uh, lengthy series, I might add. Uh, which we'll use to kick off the new year. Um, and uh, we're actually going to be opening up one of the books of the Bible and dissecting that, uh, getting back into the exposition. Uh, on top of that, I'm really excited to announce this. Those of you who are listening to this uh, you know, to date, I have just finished uh, the writing of my first book. I'm really excited about that. Um, this was inspired by um, some personal experiences, and it was motivated by um, a class in which I took uh, for my degree, halfway through, I might add. Um, and the book itself, I'm currently in the phase of uh, getting it reviewed, having some friends uh, you know, check it over, see what they think, see what needs changed and such, um, before going through with the final edit. And uh, once that final edit takes place, my friends, well... Sure enough, we will have a first publishing. I'll check with uh, check with some actual official publishers, uh, and you know, see how quick it is I can get in there to get this book published. Um, I have read that it's actually uh, difficult for uh, first-time publishers or first-time writers um, to get published. I'm not 100% sure on that or how easy it will be for me. I haven't really looked into it. My focus was getting the book written first. Um, but if that doesn't take, if I you know I can't get it uh, published, we'll do a self-publishing, uh, and we'll get that available for uh, purchase for anybody that might want it. Uh, and I'm really excited for it. I'm really excited to to share that. And during the meantime, I'm actually working on book number two, um, which is kind of a dissecting of um, uh, one of the other chapters, going a little bit more in depth with the topic. Um, now, on top of that, as we're getting into this, we're getting into this last episode of the Life and Teachings of Paul. And before we get into this, I want to give a quick reminder. If you do enjoy these broadcasts and you'd like to become, you'd like to you know, see more of these happen and you'd like to see more content out there, um, please do consider becoming a financial subscriber uh, to this ministry. And you can do so by going to christiancornerstone.org and clicking the support us page. Any questions or comments regarding that, feel free to contact us. But I'd greatly appreciate it. Um, and it'd help, uh, it'd help uh, offset the costs uh, to run this ministry, website, broadcast, and everything, all the equipment that goes with uh, making sure that this kicks off. So I would greatly appreciate that. Again, it's optional. And uh, as we get into this, uh, we're getting into the last episode, as we've already discussed plenty of times before. We've talked a lot about Paul. Um, this is essentially a summarized version of his ministry, of his life. 
this is not a complete and exhaustive detailed version. Um, we have uh, we've talked about his conversion. Uh, you know, on the road to Damascus, we've talked about a little bit of his jail time as far as what caused him to go into jail, which was preaching the Word of God to a people who chose not to hear it. We've talked about his ministry to a king, him being shipwrecked, his arrival in Rome. We've talked about... We've talked a lot about sin, that apart from God... Uh, and these were ones in which we went over with uh, earlier this year that I've encouraged you all to go back and check out. We've shared the links on our website. Um, the struggle with sin, the constant struggle the, the Christian deals with, um, and the encouragement, and the encouragement of what it is to be in Christ, as well as what it means to truly love as a Christian should love. Uh, and now we're getting into... Um, the idea of imitating Christ. Uh, this is actually, this is a summarized version. I mean, there's so much. I was thinking about this. Uh, I was reading over this chapter, and I was really thinking, I was like, okay, this is essentially a summarized version, but I don't really think it does justice. So um, perhaps we'll save that for another series, uh, another book perhaps. I don't know. We'll get that out there at some point in the future. Um, the imitation of Christ, or the reflection of Christ, the character of Christ that can be seen throughout the entire pages of the Bible as we know it. Number one, we know through the writings to Timothy from Paul that all Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, reproving, and building up for righteousness. So if that is, we, the whole entire Scripture from Genesis to Revelation is the Word of God, is the character of God. Every Every piece of action, of, of movement, of voicing, of, of miracles, every, every aspect that you can possibly think of that relates to God, that's within the text, it, it shows His character. It shows His gentle, loving nature. It shows His harsh wrath, His hatred for sin. It shows His mercy. It shows His justice. It shows everything in between. This too is God, as much as it is Jesus Christ. They are one and the same, beginning and the end, that coexist. So I think, as we get into this, I want us to keep that in mind. We're not going to go over all of that, but I want us to keep that in mind as we get into this, this study, we're just going to go over one chapter. Philippians chapter 2, if you want to open up your Bibles uh, to that. But keep in mind, this is uh, the gentleness. We'll, we'll, we'll dissect this a little bit more. The gentleness, the humility. Christ's example of humility is what we have this titled as. So if you'd like to, grab your pen, paper, whatever it is you feel the need to have in front of you. And we'll just go ahead and read through this. And as we read through this, we'll pick it apart and try to get a, a better understanding as far as what this is. Now keep in mind, when reading the text, don't read it just by the text. There's a lot more going on here. And even so, we, we can apply other texts of the scriptures that can align with this as well. So in verse uh, chapter 2, verse 1, and we'll continue through this for as much time as we have for this series. So if there is any encouragement in Christ any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affliction and sympathy, if there's any of this, if there's any love, 
Any participation. I think that's important for us to recognize. Participating in the Spirit. Complete my joy. He's saying here, my joy is not complete. It's not complete yet, but I ask you, people of Philippi, I ask you to complete my joy. How? How can you complete my joy? You can complete my joy by being in the same mind. By being in unity under the, under the Word of God. Now, I think this is really important to note. I remember, uh, as I'm going through this, I remember um, seeing this image. As far as the quote specifically, I'm not exactly sure how accurate it is in regards to Andy Stanley, but his view was that um, we should essentially put away truth or put away theology for the sake of unity. Um, that there's, you know, it causes a division of sorts. And what I find concerning, I mean, that, that's, a her that's heresy, to say the least, because to put that away, to put these aspects away, um, there was a second image which was a response to John MacArthur's words, and I, I can confirm that this was his. I remember actually listening to the podcast, or one of the podcasts, which he comments on this uh, issue. Unity, of, this, unity of, the, of the Christians comes under the sound teachings of the Word of God. The sound and, and accurate and complete and same understanding of it. This is where the same mind comes into play. Be in, in the same mind and having the same love. And that, again, is a very important aspect because we, we, we all talk about love. And, and if you were listening to us with uh, the description of love, we kind of went into a little bit of detail with that as far as um, we can all have love. We can have a, a sexual love. We can have a, a brotherly love. We can have a materialistic love. And we can even have a godly, or in other words, an agape love, which is the love in which we're called to have. And I think we, as Christians, or the Christian world today, I think we get that mixed up. We, we tend to love others with a brotherly love, but we fail to, we, we end up falling short. Because we're not presenting a full completeness of godly love. But having the same love... Believers are to love others in the body of Christ equally. Not because they are all equally attractive, but by showing the same kind of sacrificial loving service to all that was shown to them by Christ. Keep in mind that's referring to the body of Christ, to loving the body. And I want you guys to play around with that because you'll, you'll, you'll get a... a, a a better understanding, you know, because our love, we're, we are to have a love for those who are outside of the body of Christ, but most importantly, we are to have a more intimate love, a better, not necessarily better love, but a more, a closer connection of love to those who are within the body of Christ. And we'll get to that at a later point. But having the same love, the same love for one another, the same love that Jesus Christ had for us, the same love that I have for you, have this love for each other. As Christ says, the, the new commandment that he gives is to love one another as I have loved you. Do that. And Paul is essentially extending that command to them. Being in full accord and of one mind. There's the thing. Being of same, the same being of same mind and being of one mind. There is one body. 
not multiple. And, and this is where we get mixed up. We have a, different denominations, different religions um, who believe Jesus Christ was a man, who believe he was nothing more than a prophet, or believe that he was an archangel, or who believe that he is truly Jesus the Messiah. He is the second part of the divine trinity. And what he's saying here is, be under one mind. All these people, all these different religions, there is this separation. Denominations, Lutheran, Baptist, Methodist, uh, Calvinist, um, they have different understandings of the scriptures. And I, I, to a point, um, I do respect the concept of um, different denominations. Um, I don't necessarily agree with the concept because I feel that we get so caught up in, well, this is what I believe, or this is what the Methodist Church believes, or this is what the Lutherans believe, or that, you know, I've been in this church my entire life and I've always believed this. This is what I believe. I don't know. I'm not going to believe what you have to believe, but I believe what I believe. And I believe what I believe is true, and I believe that you're a little confused. That's what happens when you have these denominational splits, which I find to be very heartbreaking. And I quite honestly have a really hard time thinking that Christ himself is okay with these. But being under one mind, one belief, one doctrine, one identity of Jesus Christ, and one God. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. More important than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own personal, his own interests, um, but also to the interests of others. So it's not saying that we should regard or should we, you know, we should put our interests to the sides or, or you know, put those on the back burner, you know, but uh, and, and put everybody else first. I mean, we should, we should be willing to sacrifice things of our own for the sake of our brothers. Um, it's important, but at the same time, we also need to recognize that we have needs as well that need to be met. And uh, as Jesus tells us, um, I can't remember, I want to say Matthew, um, I'm looking this up. I was really hoping I could memorize that. Um, if a brother asks for your cloak, Matthew chapter 5, ooh, I was going to say Matthew 7. If someone sues you and you know, he takes your tunic, and this is essentially saying here, uh, Luke chapter 6, it's there as well. But um, let's actually look uh, look that one up here. I think that's the one I'm looking up. Uh, Luke chapter 6. Yeah, there we go. Okay, if someone strikes you on the cheek, turn to him uh, the other also. And that's not saying to you know turn the other cheek as in look away, you know, to... to um, what do I say, to forgive them, but to let them, you know, if they're going to smack your right cheek, give them your left as well. And if somebody takes your cloak, do not withhold your tunic from them. You know, give everyone who asks, and if anyone takes what is yours, do not demand it back. It's essentially saying here to consider others before yourselves, as Paul is instructing here. And I think, uh, you know, I, every, uh, I'm always asked by people for um, money um, you know for you know help and in di different uh, areas I have um, um, 
what else? I even uh, there's a, a gentleman, a friend of mine, in which I offer. It's like, hey, let's go do something. Uh, you know, my treat. And we do all sorts of things. Uh, you know, I say it's like, hey, you know, get this game, or you know what, screw it, I'm getting this game myself. You know, you're welcome to play. We share an we share an Xbox account, and um, not once. I mean, my in, in you know, it's my experience. I, I haven't asked. Um, you know, be paid back for this money that I've loaned people. There have been people who've paid me back, and some who haven't. But I was like, you know what, I'm. I'm not too concerned with that because I'm content. Um, I, I have uh, my finances in order or in order enough um, to where I don't need to worry about the five dollars I loan somebody or the ten dollars that I loan somebody or whatever you have. But to look at their needs, to consider others better than yourself. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Jesus Christ, who thought he was in the form of God, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Now, that's not saying Jesus is not equal with God, but while he was here on earth, he did not consider himself as an equal, at least in the position of servitude. He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. In other words, uh, the, this term itself actually is uh, uh, taking the form of a slave. Uh, doulos, I believe, is the Greek word which is used. But taking the form of a slave, being born in the likeness of man, he appeared to be a man, um, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even at the cross. Now, this part I think is really interesting. Jesus did not have to take the role he did. He did not have to humble himself so much that he comes in the form of a baby. He did not have to submit himself to the servitude of God in the measures that he did, or even to others. That's what he did. He, he came not only to, to uh, be served, but to serve. To serve others. And there's a reason for this. You see, I don't know, I can't remember um, what the last week, I remember going over this in one of our last broadcasts this year, is um, the, the reason God did this, I think it was actually in our study for Romans. Um, we, uh, you know, we talked about this, is... is God didn't have to do this. Jesus didn't have to do this, but he did it anyways. He did this because he didn't want us to boast. You think about this. You've got a God who he doesn't submit himself to servitude. You've got a God who, who doesn't put himself on the cross. He doesn't turn the other cheek. He doesn't heal people out of selflessness. But he does so, look at me, I am God. If we have a God like this, if that was the image Jesus came to give to us today, we'd be boasting like crazy. We'd be to the point of saying, well, Jesus didn't do these things. This is how he did it. This, you know, he, he performed these miracles. He performed these works to, to prove that he is righteous, to prove that he is holy, to prove that he is God. If we take that mindset and say, I'm going to give to the poor, 
to show just how compassionate I can be, to show how nice and loving I am. If we say that I'm, I'm going to bandage you up, if I'm going to help this person along the side of the road who is in need, simply to, to puff up myself to show my righteousness, if I'm going to take a bunch of pictures of everything that I've done, you know, taking a selfie with somebody who's uh, sitting on the side of the road and saying, hey, look, I just bought this man some burgers. Look at me. I'm so, this man is so blessed because of me. This is the boasting in which Christ is, one, disgusted by, but also acted in humility to the point of being a slave to the Father and to the point of being obedient even to the cross so that none of us may boast. Because everything that we do is not of our own doing. Everything that we do is the act of God. It is for God and His glory. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 29, uh, 28 through 30, actually. It says, He chose the lowly and the despised things of the world and the things that are not. In other words, He chose the lesser. As far as the world standards, He chose the inferior. To nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast in His presence. We have no reason to boast. It is because of Him, it is because of Christ, that we are in, is it because of God, and Christ, Jesus Christ, however you want to word that, that we are in Christ, which is Jesus, who has become for us wisdom, the wisdom of God, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Ephesians 2, uh, 8 through 9, 8 through 10 tells us this, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and it is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one may boast. There's another one, that no one may boast. For we are God's workmanship. This is all because of Him. Everything, our, our righteousness, our holiness, our salvation, everything is because God allowed it to be. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ, who is Jesus, to do good works, which God prepared in advance as our way of life. We do these good works, not for our own gain. We do these for the glory of God. We do these for the love of God and for the love of others, more than ourselves. And we should be even obedient to the point of death on a cross. This, I can tell you, is Matthew chapter 10. He says, um... If any, it's it's actually mentioned twice. I can't can't remember the exact the other uh, other version, but it's mentioned twice in the book of Matthew, which goes to really show the importance of it. That if anybody is not willing to take up their cross for the sake of Jesus, they are unworthy of Him. Likewise, we should be willing to do the same. We should be imitating Christ. Christ was willing to go so far as the cross for the sake of our salvation for the sake of the redeeming of God's elect. So we should be willing to go as far as that sacrifice for the sake of God and His glory and everything that He has planned. Therefore God has highly exalted Him and bestowed Him the name above every name, so that the, the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, under and even under earth, in the pits of hell. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is in fact Lord. And the glory of God and the Father, the Father, the glory of God the Father. 
Therefore, beloved, as you, uh, as you have obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence. Don't just obey. Don't just do all these things because I've asked you to. Don't just do this because I'm here, but do so because I'm not. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, this does not mean that we should, you know, to, that we have not been saved yet and we need to work towards that. It's not saying a faith by works. In fact, this commentary here says the Greek verb rendered work out means to continually work to being something to fulfillment or completion. It cannot refer to a salvation by works, but it does refer to the believer's responsibility for active pursuit in obedience in the process of sanctification. So in other words, it's not saying here to work towards salvation, but let your works be the evidence of your salvation. For it is by God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good and pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be uh, found uh, blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, and among whom you shine as light into the world. Doing everything without grumbling or disputing, that we may be blameless and innocent. I end up work, I work with a, a lot of uh, an environment uh, that's either hot or cold. Um, it's dirty, it's messy, it's wet. Um, it's, you know, there's, there's a lot of people who, who like to complain about the job. Um, the environment that we work in, the, the equipment itself gets damaged quite a bit, um, you know, essentially through the consistent use of it. Um, and there's some gentlemen there that, that simply tell me, I mean, I have a gentleman that tells me about every day that the job sucks. And my heart really breaks for him because he really doesn't understand how good he has it. See, I work in a factory, in an, uh, a plastic factory. Uh, and before I had this job, uh, I was working part-time jobs. I was working fast food. I worked, uh, I worked actually for a moving company. Decent pay, but, you know, not as good as I have it now. Um, and, you know, now I'm actually able to afford my own place, be on my own. Uh, I worked for, as I said, fast food places. I worked for a trash uh, pickup uh, company. Uh, I worked in a restaurant. All the jobs that I had, I, they, I wasn't able to provide. I wasn't able to get ahead. And, and every job before this, I, I had less than a year before going on to a different job. And it was because, it wasn't because I lost a job or anything or I had a hard time keeping a job. It's because each job that I went to, they promised me hours, they promised me the pay, they promised the, the, the care. And... It never followed through, so I would find a different job that's doing the same thing. And then I come to this job I'm at now, and I have uh, insurance, I have um, overtime, I have a guaranteed 40 hours a week, um, I have Christmas time off, I've got vacation time that builds up each month. Um, I have you know a, a decent income. And I've been there six years. The job itself, as far as personal interest goes, is not my favorite job, but it does pay the bills. 
It provides for my needs. I am completely thankful to have this job. Because without it, quite honestly, I don't even know. I'd probably be stumped 30 years old and still living at home. As I said, it's not my favorite job, but I'm thankful for it. Because when I look to, you know, it takes a little bit for me to, to remember, uh, to come back to this. But we make drainage plastic, or drainage pipe for field and agricultural use. And, um, yeah, I, that's, that's really, you know, thinking about that process, that really humbles me. Because I'm making this pipe, which is going to go into the fields to help drain it, to help keep it free from flooding waters. And through this is going to help the crops. It's going to, you know, grow beans and corn and, and all sorts of other foods to go for, you know, for people or even for animals or livestock in which we would eat as well. This is what I'm providing for. And this, this food is, ends up going into the stores and then, you know, it goes into the, you know, people end up buying it and it goes to the kitchen and it goes to the plate and it goes to the person, to the stomach. And then, well, we don't want to know. We don't need to discuss what happens from there. But essentially, in the long run, what I'm doing is providing for others. And again, I don't think about this all the, all the time, but when it comes to mind, you know, I'm truly humbled, indirectly, being a part of this, being a part of a, a system to provide for, for those who, who need the food. Because if we didn't have stuff like this, people would, you know, I don't even know how they would have drained uh, flooded fields before any of this but it's really interesting to think about it and, and it, it keeps me in the mindset a good mindset but do this without without grumbling without disputing and be blameless innocent you know children of God holding fast verse 16 holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ you may be um, I Paul may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. In other words, he's saying, hold true to what you've been taught so that I can look back and I can see that all the work that I did for the Lord amounted to something. That I didn't just do it just to do it, but that some sort of fruits have come out of it. Hold fast. Stay humble. Blameless, innocent. Even as I am poured out as a drink offering the sac um, upon a sacrificial offering of, of your faith, and at least saying my death is near, I am glad and I rejoice with you all. Likewise, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. You know, we have a, a world that we live in that's not exactly the most exciting world to live in. We've got division of politics, division of religions, division of views in of all sorts. But the Christian, we can rejoice in the fact that everything that we do is for His glory, and, and that we can teach. For an example, these these um, these broadcasts in which we're doing. If I was personally doing this, if I was doing this for the financial support to be, you know, to to get rich. I would have quit years ago. I've been at this for about a year, maybe two or so, and this is still a project that's being funded out of my own pocket. If I was doing this to 
to make money, I would have quit. But I love teaching the Word of God. I love sharing my understanding, and I love... I just love sharing it, really. I love talking about it. I don't care if there's one, if there's two people doing this, as long as there's somebody out there listening. Even if it's nobody listening, I know God is. And I know that there's joy to come from this. Because no matter how many people hear these words, somebody will. In fact, I, I, heard, I saw um, the numbers just the other day. As far as, I'll actually look them up real quick here. As far as these uh, podcasts, and this was really really blessing uh, to me. I, I looked up the, the statistics of uh, some of these podcasts that we've uh, shared throughout the um, throughout the past couple weeks. And it's one of the top episodes, The Importance of Studying the Word of God, 57 listeners, The Story of a King, 50. And this continues to go down. You know, it shows the number of the most popular. But I'm seeing here at least 50, some on 30 to 50 people on average are listening to these. And I find it to be really exciting. The last episode we, we released, 17. Description of Love, 25. Story of a King, as I said, 50. I mean, it's, it's really, really humbling to see this, to, to see these numbers, because that shows that there's not just that people are listening, not just the whole fame, but it shows that people are hungry. It shows that they're interested it shows that they want the Word of God, and to be able to provide for that, that's where my joy comes into play. And we wrap up here with this last section of, um, of Philippians chapter 2. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. In other words, he's sending Timothy so that you know, he can you know, evaluate and to, to see and to kind of scout out the people at Philippi to encourage them, you know, to teach them, to advise them, and then later on Timothy's going to come back to Paul. At least this is the plan. See, and Timothy's going to come back to Paul and receive, uh, give the news of what's going on in Philippi. For I have none like him. There's nobody like Timothy. He's a great man. He's a great man. There's none like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. When he says he cares, he cares. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus. Those who are not of Jesus, they, that's what it's saying. It says they, they do everything out of selfish means. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father, he has served me in the gospel. And I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how well it goes with me how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you a name I can't even pronounce, Epaphrodus. Sure, we'll go with that. My brother, and listen to this, he's a brother in Christ, whether it be an actual brother or not, uh, that's not 100% known. Uh, little's really known about this gentleman. But he says, My brother and fellow worker, this is most likely referring to in Christ, a fellow worker, and this is the attributes in which we should be applying as well. This is what this epa, ep, 
let me see if I can't get this. Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus. Yeah, I can't do it. (laughs) I can't. I don't even know what I'm saying here. He says, a fellow worker. And this is what we are to be. We are to be a worker for the gospel. Not only that, but we are to be a fellow soldier for the gospel. We find in Ephesians uh, chapter 6 that we are to put the full armor of God on. Just as a soldier who is ready for war, prepared for battle, we too must as well. And not only that, but we are to be a messenger. He says, and your messenger and a minister to my needs. He's a very good man. Qualities of a righteous man. He's a worker. He's a soldier. He's a messenger. And he's a minister. For he has been longing for you all that has been in dis- all that has been distressed, because you heard that he was ill, a sick man. Indeed, he was ill. Almost, he almost died, in fact, is what we would see here. He was near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also. Lest I should have, lest I should have sorrow upon my sorrow. Lest I should have more, or worse, sorrows. I am more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice in seeing him again. So he's not just sending him to be a minister for the Lord, but so that the people... The people can see him, and they can see him well and alive and healthy and strong in the ministry of God. And that you can rejoice and be, you know, share in the excitement, the thrill that he's here. So receive him in the Lord with all joy. And honor such men, for he nearly died. He's reminding that, I guess, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, possibly referring to a um, a martyr's death, you know, or uh, you know something something similar, or even just a, you know referring to his illness, which we find back in uh, chapters uh, verse twenty six and twenty seven. But he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. In other words, what he's saying there is this gentleman, he's picking, it, it appears to me that he's picking up the slack. You know, that for whatever it is, um, and it might even refer to these attributes in which we have that he was a fellow worker, a soldier, a messenger, and a minister. It might even refer that these people of Philippi you know, were lacking in certain areas, and this gentleman decided to pick up the slack, or it might simply mean that he's doing more. You know, because these people can't for whatever reason. Regardless, I want you guys to go back and perhaps read this a few times because there's a lot here. Um, I think we don't necessarily have too much time for, and perhaps we'll go into a deeper study um, with this at another time. Because reading over this, there's a lot, a lot of commentary. I wish I could have extended uh, my comments on, but. Essentially, to imitate Christ, this is you know the humility, the the humility of a servant. We are called to do, um, and we must recognize that a servant is obedient to his master. Just likewise, we should be as well. And there's again, there's a lot to that. I I don't have anything prepared right now, but um, I want you to look into what it really means. And even meditate meditate on the idea as you read the scriptures. What does it really mean? To be a servant of God. Or more importantly, a slave to the Lord. 
not only what does it mean, but what does it look like? And as you read the text from, you know, wherever you're at in, in, your, in your readings, whether you're in Genesis, in, in the, whether you're in the book of the laws, the, the, judges, or the judges, the books of uh, wisdom, of poet, the poetic uh, scriptures, uh, the minor or major prophets, or even, you know, some of the epistles um, or gospels, whatever it may be that you're in, you know, consider that. Think about that and think about what it means to be a servant of the Lord. To imitate Christ as he imitates God. Just a little something to think about. And that's it, my friends, is really all we have. Um, again, we are going to be taking a break um, until the new year. Uh, two weeks out is uh, how much we have. I hope you guys did enjoy this, and I hope you guys got something out of this. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, feel free to hit me up on the Facebook page or going to christiancornerstone.org. Find more details on there. I'm actually currently working on putting some more details on there. And again, as I said, um, I've got a book. I don't know when it's going to come out. Um, it's currently in the review stage. So... Um, just, uh, you know, be patient and, and wait for that. So without further ado, I hope you guys do have yourself a very wonderful weekend and God bless.